How are you all doing today? Everybody's good? Yes, yes. So I put this little puffy thing on. Remember the last time I talked and it kept doing that? So we'll see if this magic little foam ball helps. Um, yeah, let's do announcements in, are we really that early? My goodness. Okay, there's a few new people here. For us to have gotten this far at 1120 is, you know, proof that there's a God. Um, wow. Okay. I, I was planning on teaching short today, so we might even even have more time. So, all right. Um, so, yeah, we'll do announcements at the end because um, there's a couple other things I want to do at the same time with that. Um So I spent um, the last uh, week in Panama, the country. Um, so some of you that know me know that I, I've been able to go there the last few years um, and help some doctors. So I will also talk about that in a few minutes. Um, before that, I'm going to talk about this book of Obadiah. But before that, I want to tell you guys it was interesting while I was down there that it's the first time that I've gotten to go to this mission's church service. So each year we go down there, it's a, it is a Christian mission. And in theory, they're supposed to have a church service on the first day we're there. But we're always so busy doing the medical work that we just can't get everything pulled together to do it. But this year, things went way more smoothly, and we were able to do that. And it was really cool because when it started... It was just a complete catastrophe, and it reminded me sort of of being here. Not that we're a complete catastrophe, but, you know, very easygoing. About this many people um, showed up to their church service, their English-speaking church service, which is in the evenings. And um, and, and even better, the guy that was teaching um, twice stopped in the middle of the teaching so he could take cell phone calls. So he was like, oh, wait a minute, guys, i got to take, take, take this call, and he'd go off and leave for a while, so... Um, it was really quite humorous, but it, it really made me feel quite at home. And there were several people there that t- commented afterwards. They were like, they, they really appreciated that. that. They were like, you know, that was just a lot a lot more relaxed and a lot more enjoyable. And I was like, oh, well, you should come check out our place because uh, it's got its pluses and minuses. But uh, it was certainly like being home. So uh, I missed you guys, and uh, even though I was only gone a week, and uh, um, it's certainly nice to be back. Um, today we're going to talk about Obadiah. Ryan Edgecombe was making me... Uh, second guess myself. He thought I had spelled it wrong on the first slide, um, but I believe I've got it right. Um, Obadiah, uh, well, we, there was a suggestion a few weeks ago that we would talk about some of these small books of the Bible, the, the tiny books within the Bible. And I don't remember if this is number two, number three, number four, but in the Old Testament, this is the shortest book. Um, it is a book that's referred to as a minor prophet. And so. You might think, oh, wow, what does that mean? Okay, all it means is it's a prophetical book that tells about something that is in the future that's coming. And by being minor, it just means it's short. So that's really all there is to that. It's just that simple. So it's a short prophetical book. We are going to read the whole thing here in a few minutes. Um, there's about 21 verses in it, so we will read it all. Um, it's one of these books that the first time you read it, you're kind of like, okay, whatever. And then you read it again, you're like, oh, there's something kind of interesting there. And and you just keep digging and you keep digging. And then you go online and you start reading from some theologian that's done his whole 
doctorate dissertation on this thing, and you realize there's just layers and layers and layers to this thing. Um, and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with it today. Um, and being kind of away and busy this week, um, I'm just going to hit a couple of very, very minor topics. I'm going to show you guys' name in a little bit. If you're interested in learning more about Obadiah, I'd recommend getting online and downloading this sort of dissertation he did on it. Um, it's really, really amazing and interesting. Um, and, uh, and I read uh, most of it this week. Um, but before we get into Obadiah, there's some other things you need to know. So this is going back into Genesis. So you guys have heard of a guy named Abraham. Anybody heard of Abraham? Okay. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. So Abraham, for a lot of Jewish folks, they view Abraham as the beginning. He was this guy that God called out, and he said, I'm going to make you the father of my people. Okay, so... You've got Abraham, and then he had a son named Isaac. He also had another son named Ishmael. And so we oftentimes think about Isaac being the line of his family that, that the Israelites came through, and Ishmael being the line um, of sometimes I think the Palestinians and some of those folks kind of came out of that line. Um, and after Ish, I'm sorry, Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, then Isaac has two sons. And here's a... Uh, um, what is said about his two sons in Genesis 25. This is Isaac. Now keep in mind, you got Abraham, Isaac here, and then his sons. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled with each other within her. Now, that jostled, if you look in different versions, you'll see see different meanings there, but the, the idea there is that these kids are fighting it within her, and she senses this. She senses something's not right. She's got twins in her. Something is not going right. So it says the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. Okay, there's a lot in that right there. First of all, this idea that you're going to have two children being born out of you and they aren't going to be united. Normally you think about families staying together. And she's being given this prophecy saying, you're going to have two kids and they're going to create two separate nations. They're not going to get along with each other. And even more odd is that normally the older child in history is the one that is the leader. They're the one that gets all of the favor. And they're saying in this case it's going to be reversed. It says the older will serve the younger. Okay. So here's the uh, little picture of the story there. So these two sons are Jacob and Esau. Jacob is the more famous one that you might remember. So if you ever hear, the, the lineage you always hear is, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You guys ever hear that? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And if you haven't memorized that, stick that in your mind if you want to learn anything about Christianity because you need to remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But Jacob was the younger brother. Esau was the older one. Esau should have been the one that carried the birthright and carried the lineage of the Jewish people. Um, but long story, Esau is this hairy, rugged mountain man through a whole series of weird events, he gets really hungry. He's kind of down and out. He comes back. 
Jacob gives him some red soup and some bread and, um, and trades him for the birthright. And so there's this very strange story that happens where there's this trade which occurs. And it even gets weirder because then Jacob covers his arms with goat hair. Am I remember? Was it goat hair? Covers his arm with some kind of hair so that he looks, so he looks hairy like him and even goes in to fool his father into believing uh, that he was Esau instead of Jacob so he could officially get the birthright. So very, very strange story. But that lays the foundation for what's going on in the book of Obadiah. So you've got these two sons, Jacob that becomes the Israelites, and Esau, which becomes sort of the enemy of the Israelites. Uh, One interesting side note is that one of the um, uh, articles that I was reading said to make things even worse, worse, to make things even worse, Esau's um, lineage ended up tying back in with, uh, just a few minutes ago I mentioned Ishmael, which was Abraham's other son um, that ended up not being the chosen people, that that Esau's lineage and Ishmael's lineage may very well have joined together. So you kind of had two two different uh, sons in this case doing that. So so that brings us to another word, Edom. Okay, I'm just, I know I'm throwing a lot at you here, so just work with me. All right. So Edom, what is Edom? Edom is the descendants of Esau. So when you think about Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, being the father of the Israelites, you think about Esau being the father of the Edomites. Okay? Got these these two things. Okay? So the descendants of of Esau are are what is now, is what was being called Edom. They're certainly the rivals of the Jews, and even more importantly, they're the rivals of God. Okay? So there's this tension here, not just between them and the Jews, but even on a higher level between them and God. They are completely jam-packed full of pride. Pride is eating them alive. Anybody else have that same problem? I have that problem. Oh, come on, anybody else have that problem? Yeah, I do for sure. So they are struggling with that. So we can sort of uh, relate to them a little bit if you struggle with pride. Okay. And then I'm a picture person. So, here's Jerusalem, right here. This is the kingdom of Judah, and if you don't know that, Israel uh, Israel was broken at one point. Ten of the tribes became the kingdom of Israel, and two of the tribes became the kingdom of Judah. I think I said that right. Can anybody correct me? Ten and two? There's 12 total. I think it was split ten and two. Um, So, these two together are what we think of as Israel. These are the, the, 12, the, the 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel um, that we're talking about. And then down below them here is this kingdom of Edom. Okay, so these are the enemies of these two together. Okay, so I want you to kind of keep that in your mind. Because when we read in a little bit, it's going to make a lot of sense. Dr. Thomas L. Constable. So if any of you want to learn more about Obadiah, write this down. Thomas L. Constable. Look it up. You'll find a PDF you can download, um, and if you want me to, let me know, and I can email it to you because I've got a copy on my phone. Um, it's really, really interesting read, all the interesting things that he dug into. But this is a, a, uh, a, a little um, section of that that I pulled out that really jumped out to me. He called this being kind of the message of Obadiah. He says, Obadiah tells the story 
of the destruction of Edom. So this country that's down below, this country that's at war, um, they're, they're not getting along with God or Israelites. Is that Obadiah tells the story of the destruction of Edom, the nation that descended from Esau. It also shows that God will destroy all that Edom stood for and represented. Edom, and this is really cool, Edom is Esau projected into national proportions. In Obadiah, we see the essential evil of Esau, the supreme manifestation of that evil, and the inevitable result of that evil. And I just want to push pause to grab this. Because you really, really got to get this. Edom is Esau projected into national proportions. This is an example of how each of us, if we're not living right and we're not doing well, how that can be carried generation and generation and generation. The decisions you guys are making today can result positively or negatively for hundreds of years. And it's something we have to take really, really seriously. The evil of this son Esau that separated himself from God carried on and on. And you can see it starts off here with the essential evil of Esau, who he was, and then this kind of supreme manifestation, what came out of it, of that evil. And finally, in his case, the ultimate result of that. There is a penalty to be paid. And I'm not one that gets really hung up into this, um, if you don't follow God, he'll beat the snot out of you kind of mindset, okay? Uh, some people are there. That's kind of the way they look at it. And, and there are certainly uh, passages, Obadiah being one of them that supports that. I tend to follow a little more along the line of saying, when you live out an evil life, it has its consequences built right into it, you know? And I think there's truth to both of those, for sure, for sure. And, um, and that's what we see happening, okay? So... Uh, Let's read, see if this will actually work. Read Obadiah. Come on. All right. So we've got 21 verses. Hold on as we go. The vision of Obadiah. And by the way, Obadiah, they believe, was a real person and that this is his, his vision. There are some folks that say they think that Obadiah had pulled this together, like there were, there were multiple visions kind of pulled together for this. But we'll just go with the, the straightforward easiness that says there's a guy named Obadiah, and God gave him this vision. So the vision of Obadiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride, remember we mentioned that earlier? The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. So these are some seriously prideful people. If, these, if thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? 
Okay, so he's kind of saying if bad people are doing things to you, it's, it's going to be bad, but only to a certain level. It's not going to be, you know, the end of your life. But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged, all your allies will force you to the border, your friends will deceive and overpower you, those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. So you see, we were already seeing what I was talking about a few moments ago. God kind of says, I'm going to take you down. But then when you start looking at the way it's being taken down, it's just a direct result of their evilness. They're evil, and so the other evil people are coming back on them for that. Okay. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau, your warriors, Teman, will be terrified, and, eat, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter because of the violence against your brother Jacob. Now, whoa, 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 we're talking, you know, a long time at this point. There's an entire nation of all the descendants, and yet he's carrying that all the way back to this original story. Whoops, sorry about that, all the way back to this original story. So because of the violence against your, violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. Okay, stop. You probably didn't catch that. That was a lot. According to that um, article I was reading, what was happening was the Israelites were being attacked. In many, many cases. And instead of um, the Edomites saying, hey, this, this is our relatives. We're con- there's a connection here. There's a blood connection here. We're going to try to help them. They're sort of on the sidelines applauding, saying, go, go, go. Take them down. Take them down. We don't like them. And not only are they applauding, once they're getting areas are getting ransacked, once the Jewish folks are getting ransacked, then they're coming in behind them and kind of, taking things from them. So he says, you should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. They're not being helpful, okay? All right, we'll wrap it up here. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head just as you drank on my holy hill. So all nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion, that's Jerusalem, but on Mount Zion... Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire. And Joseph a flame. That's his son. Esau will be stubble. And they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. The people from Negev will op- occupy the mountains of Esau. The people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. You don't need to learn all this or, or keep track of it. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelites, exile, who are in Canaan, will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of Negev. Deliverers, this last 21 is really important though. 
deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem, will govern Esau. Okay? That's going to be the end result. It says, and the kingdom will be the Lord. So God will ultimately be victorious. Okay? All right. So where I want to go with this in the next couple minutes here is... um, Try to just step back now and think about how does this affect TLR. Think about this pride thing. Think about these brothers fighting. And, this, and by TLR, I mean the living room, if you're new here. How, do, how, do, how is our community affected by this kind of a teaching? How can we do something with this to make us different this week um, so that the world is a more beautiful place? And uh, these are just some things that I, uh, I've thought of. Pride must be squashed. We've got to really think about starting out with this idea of killing this pride, not being afraid to call it out in each other if we need to. Um, It's a very, very difficult thing. Um, But when you see it in me and I see it in you, um, we need to be able to learn to politely and respectfully call it out um, and say, hey, I'm seeing something in you that's bothering me. Um, and And I think it's not necessarily helpful. And God's people must unite. Um, some of you know that uh, several weeks ago, Scott Hunley from CCC uh, talked to me about this, about his passion uh, for seeing the, the churches in town unite together. And that doesn't mean unite in the sense of we fall underneath the same structure and finances and all this kind of stuff, but we unite in the sense of We aren't trying to compete almost like businesses against each other, but these are Christians, different groups of Christians coming together to do beautiful things. Um, And it's something we've got to really start working on. And going hand in hand with that is that God's people must overcome our differences. Down in Panama this week, this came up over and over again. We had kind of a wide array of Christians down there with different backgrounds and such. The guy that runs the clinic can be an absolute complete jerk, okay? Um, I, I'm just telling you the way it is. He, he really can be. He can be crazy difficult. He constantly would come in through the week. We had a system going on how we were handling the patients. He'd come in, and he'd kind of mess that all up. Um, and, and I talked about this one morning, and I, I, we do devotionals a different day. In my devotional day, I talked about this specific item, and I told us that, that we really have to quit focusing on the negative side, and look at the positive side. Because the bottom line is, this is also the same guy that went out into this area called the Camarca. It's this very rugged area where the indigenous folks live. Um, and he screens hundreds of patients to find the patients that need eye surgery to come back. Uh, he's also the guy that organized our clinic uh, ahead of time. And, and he's given his whole life to this. He lives down there. Um, and... Uh, and so it's this idea of being able to look at other Christians, overcome these differences, you know. Why are we all here instead of at some other church in town? Well, it's because we're different at the end of the day. We, we see things a little different, you know, whatever it is, we're different. But striving and continuing to fight that just because we have that difference, we don't work together is, uh, is quite, uh, quite a big issue. So pride's got to be squashed. God's people need to unite. We've got to learn to overcome our differences. And here's a question for us, for every one of us. Are we being transformed like Jacob and the Israelites 
or are we resisting correction like Esau? If you look at the history of the Israelites, they were far, far, far from perfect. Okay? Uh, if you don't know anything about them, I'm not going into it today, but there is there are many, many issues with the Israelites, but it was a constant transformation, constant transformation, constant transformation all the time. And they keep kept eventually getting back to God, being restored and moving on. If Esau had done the same thing, he could have had a, a beautiful, beautiful future as well. And so each of us need to be looking that are we open to that or are we so doggone bullheaded that we will not change? We're right, that's the way it is, and we're not going to go anywhere with it. And finally, this is uh, just the way I look at it. Will we choose selfish destruction or will we choose submissive beauty? Will we choose to live our lives the way we want to live and to not listen to those around us and then we ultimately get destroyed? Or will we choose to be submissive to God, be open to change, being open to be molded, and then letting the beauty fall, flow out of that and having enough faith to do that. Now, I mean, that takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that I think X ought to happen. I think it would be a lot more fun to do Y, whatever it is in my life I want to do. But I'm sensing God does not want me to do that. And so I'll put faith in him that if I go his way, which really stinks because what he wants me to do is not what I want to do. Um, but in the end, I have faith that it will be a beautiful thing. So will we choose selfish destruction or submissive beauty? Okay, I'm going to push pause and let you guys just think about that for a second. Um, And I'm going to open it up a little bit. Um, As you think about this idea of these two brothers, that you really wish they would get along. And yet you see the separation and how it went on for so long. And how it yielded with these two nations in separation. Do you guys see any uh, correlation or relation to yourself or Christians in general? um, Or something going on around us? I'm going to give us about two or three minutes to talk about this before I um, start wrapping things up. So this, this is the time you could say something out loud. So any thoughts? Does this make you think of anything, or do you see something kind of bubbling up here that caught your attention? Yes? It certainly could be. Um, it, you know, there, there's a, sort of the difference between being able to um, follow righteousness and to have a strong belief in righteousness and being able to share that in a beautiful way versus share that in a um, uh, demeaning way, you know, that turns people off. And it's a challenge. Um, uh, and, and you'll see that challenge between Christians and non-Christians. You'll see that challenge within Christianity one group versus another group. Um, and, and I will tell you, I was recently at a, a situation in a situation where um, I was with a Christian that was just on a different page than me. And yet, I believe this Christian was a very, very good person. Um, but boy, he was on a different page than me. And, and, and I had to fight the pride because I just wanted to just 
you know, I just don't like the way you're acting. I don't like the way you're thinking. And uh, but I had to love him and know that he he's on he's on the right team. He's he's for God, not against God. And uh, and I was struggling to embrace him. So yeah. Okay. What else? Does this make any sense to you guys? Are you with me? All right. All right. Oh. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of ugliness within the beauty. And uh, if you just look at Christ himself, um, while Christ was beautiful, um, his life was not a not, not not something any of us want to go through. So uh, there was a lot of difficulty along the way, and everything wasn't peaches and cream for sure. So I don't like peaches or cream really. But um, all right, anything else? Yes. Yeah, it's a cultural issue for sure. Um, most Christians do not know what Horizon House is in this town, you know, and it doesn't make us great that most of us do know. Um, but but it's a good thing that we do know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we 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 could, we could have helped that out without too much effort. We we could just steal some from here. We we have a plethora. We could lose a few chairs. We'd be all right. Yeah. All right. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to do is uh, give you just a quick update on my week. Um, I'll do that for just a couple minutes here. Um, so for those of you that don't know, it's it's uh, cataract surgery is what I go down to help. So in the upper right-hand corner is a few of the nurses and one of the doctors. Um, the doctor is the second from the left, um, but there are three ophthalmologist doctors that go down there. Um, and the reason I get to go is because I'm friends with the husband of one of those doctors. Um, and uh, so they have uh, tolerated me going along with them for a few years. And so you might think, why does an engineer uh, go down and do this? Well, um, I, I don't really know, actually. Um, no, <laughs> They need people to measure the eyes, and it's the kind of thing that you can be taught with relative ease. It's a mechanical instrument, so me and this other guy that I go with, uh, we're both mechanical engineers, so you know that helps a little bit. And so we measure the eyes before surgery, um, because what a cataract is, there's a lens in your eye that will turn um, kind of um, 
uh, kind of white color, but it, it, it over time it begins to you, you get where you can't see through it. It gets foggier and foggier and foggier. Well, the indigenous Panamanians have no way of getting this corrected, and so they will go till they're blind. Um, and so this year uh, we did uh, 116 cataract surgeries. Out of that 116, I would say maybe a third of them we carried in. I mean, you know, you're, you're guiding their hand. They cannot see. They, they can see hand motion sometimes. They can see a flashlight when you shine it in their eye. Um, no way to count fingers. No way to see anything. Uh, many of them, if they've got grandchildren, they've never seen them. Or at least if they've had grandchildren in the last couple of years, they've never seen them. And uh, I would say 95% of them walk away seeing, counting fingers, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's just an incredible, incredible event. Um, this little guy here, uh, actually, he looks really, really young. He's 14, so he's older than he looks. You guys think he looks younger than 14? I think he does, yeah. And um, he uh, he got his second cataract surgery. So he's got a, it, it's, it's something uh, in his... Uh, DNA that causes this, um, but uh, surgery went great. He was the best patient when I measured his eye. I mean, you know, we actually have to poke things in your eyes while measuring, and he was a, a rock. And the doctor came to me before the surgery and was like, "Well, do you think this kid will sit still long enough to do this surgery?" And I said, "Oh yeah, there's no problem. This kid is amazing." And um, and so that was right before they pulled off his patch to see if he could see. But uh, yeah, he could see great when it came off. Um, and this guy right here, I wish I could remember his first name, but he was my favorite one of the week. Um, he's 29. Um, Panamanians, uh, the guys fight over women all the time. It's part of their culture. Um, same thing in Columbus. Um, and uh, But their fights are pretty severe, and there's blindness for fighting. We've had multiple times we've done surgery on younger guys for blindness. When he walked in, um, he was scary looking. His right eye was completely white. I mean, it looked like something out of a horror movie. And he's completely blind in that eye. And uh, he told us that it had been from fighting. But it, it, he's 29. This happened like 10, 15 years ago. So he's been without vision for that long. But even more so at his age, it's a social issue. And when you walk into a room and you have an eye that white, it's kind of alarming. Um, and uh, anyways, this is him just after surgery. You can see the eye looks perfect. Uh, the doctor's figured he wouldn't be able to see, um, but we were completely wrong. He could see great afterwards. And uh, and as he, he, like, almost ran up to me, shook my hand, and started thanking me. And, uh, I mean, I just got choked up. I mean, you know, I had tears in my eyes. I'm going to do it again. Um, you know, because you just realize that uh, that guy's life's different. I mean, that, guy, that guy's life's better. And, uh, you know, he knows it's God. Uh, it's God's people um, behind all this. And, uh you know, so you just pray for beautiful things coming out of that. So it's an awesome week. I'm, I'm really, really blessed uh, to be able to do it. And uh, um, you know, I hope I get to do it more and more. And I, you know, I encourage you guys to look for opportunities um, to work with the team and do, do, do great things in, in the name of God. So, all right. So the last thing I want to do um, is we'll do announcements. Um, but before announcements, uh, could somebody get on the computer and pull open our calendar? Um, or Josh, may, I want to talk about our upcoming events to make sure we're all on the same page about what's coming up next. Today we've got a community meal, so if you're here visiting, uh, we've got a pile of pizzas going to be showing up in 10 or 15 minutes. Anytime. Excellent. So uh, please hang around and have some pizza with us. That would be great. Um, 
what is our next event? We've got a clothing thing, right? Is, is, is that still in the works? Where, uh, yeah. Do you know, uh, um, do you need any help in terms of inviting setting up, anything like that, or is it? Yeah, did you get to talk to the Hunleys yet? Okay, all right, so. All right, very good. All right. Oh, sorry. Were you starting to say something? Oh. Excellent. Okay. I'll let you run through this thing if you don't mind. Yeah, and, and I'll make a. I want to make a point about that. Is that uh, in the past we've planned events without a leader, and then it's gotten real tense as the event gets close, and no one's really stepping up to lead it. So we're going to do the inverse now. We're going to tentatively plan events, but they're not going to happen unless somebody wants to step up and take the lead, so that we don't put that stress on the community. So, yes, that's a good question. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. Each time it's been a little bit different. Um, but in general, there's usually some live music. There's art supplies here. There's snacks and food. And it's a night to just hang out and uh, be together and let uh, people make art, let other people sit around and drink coffee and chat, listen to some live music. Um, and it, like I said, it's been done different ways. Um, and so there's no exact format to it, but... That's in general what it is. Yes. This, this, this red thing here, that they'll make that call. Karaoke. Yes. Yes. Feedback. You can't. No. We, we, we'll give you 24 hours to pray about it. 
and talk to Jeff. And uh, oh, <laughs> you're there. That's that's hysterical. That's hysterical. Okay, you've got 24 hours, and we'll still remove it after 24 hours. There you go. All right. It should be on our calendar online, but it may not be yet. Okay. And we have a website, um, the-living-room.org. There it is. If you want to get on email contact or anything like that, here's a calendar, which isn't always updated real well, that's there. Um, but you can either send a message in there, or you can come down here and click on sign up for email news. A um, couple different ways to do that. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, there's some announcements. Are those updated? All right. Well done. All right. Great. And, um, and then the last thing I wanted to say, just to make sure that we minimize confusion, is we are trying to figure out how to do things with uh, CCC, Columbus Community Church, Community Church of Columbus. I can't remember which way it is in town. Um, they're very, very interested in trying to connect with us as two different churches that try to work together. Um, and so these events are one of the ways we're looking for that. You guys also noticed they uh, used our building last Thursday, I think, to do a soup night. Um, and so we'll see where that goes, but that's a way that we might be able to connect. You know, this first one was just them using our building um, to do this, um, but in the future, you know, we may be able to get more organized and make th that kind of an event and more combined event. I know they're interested in art nights. Uh, and they're definitely interested in the block party, um, so uh, we're looking for, uh, for ways to make those, uh, those connections. Yeah, and there are connections. Uh, Ryan and I are meeting with Scott Hunley again this Thursday. I've met with him uh, once before, so uh, there are some connections being made there. So, But, yeah, feel free to make connections, no problem. So, Okay? All right, so now, with all that, announcement time. Announcement time. Yes.
Absolutely. And, and if for some reason you get to a point and you need prayer and you don't know what else to do, you can also get on here and send the message in through this. So you fill that out, hit the submit button, and that will come into our email, and we can forward that to, that to the right people to get your, uh, your message out as well. So, Okay. What else announcement-wise? Nothing? got to be announcements. There's, you guys are always so chatty. Nothing. We covered everything, huh? Excellent, excellent. Um, is the pizza here? That's why. <laughs> you guys. Um, so one mistake that I made, I, I always intend uh, to start with prayer, um, to make sure God is in the middle of it. I ho- hope he was today. I feel like he was. Um, but I didn't do that. So let me take a moment here. I will pray. Josh, are you ready for me to go ahead and pray for the meal as well? Okay. So I will pray and we'll pray for the meal. And, uh, and like I said, please hang around. And Oh, and by the way, sorry it's so cold. We don't know what's going on, but our furnace isn't working. So, um, so sit close and uh, should be warm. So, all right, let's pray. Um, God, uh, I personally just thank you for being back and for being with our family. And um, I appreciate this group. I think you appreciate this group, and uh, and we appreciate you. God, we ask that we'll be uh, a beacon, a beautiful beacon of Christ in this community. I ask that we'll be able to uh, hold each other accountable for pride, that we won't be afraid to... Uh, talk to each other about it and to work through it and to uh, even take that risk of maybe uh, upsetting someone knowing deep down inside that we're doing it just because we love you and we want them to be close to you. Help us to be united. Help us as Christians in Columbus to be united. Help us to, uh, to be your family and to not be uh, separated like Jacob and Esau. And God, today we... Uh, we know there are people here that are hurting. They're, they're putting a smile on, but uh, it's tough for them because it's not a happy day. There's something going on that's really uh, ripping them apart. God, we ask that you will help them to find some peace, help them to get through their issue, help them to, uh, to be able to uh, look to you and to have some comfort knowing that uh, you will ultimately be, ultimately be victorious. Um, always, always, no matter what. And we thank you and praise you for that. And we thank you for this meal. And uh, we give you this day. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Have a good day, all. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go get kids. No, 
Oh, focus in. It's all right. I was going to see you. Which one is that thing? 